Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And welcome into episode seven, lucky seven, right? Here on our winter series of Everything Under the Sun for 21-22. And while you go back and look and think about it, how carefree and easy our winter life was through the month of December, through the Great Lakes and the Northeast and down into the Southeast. Obviously, the West was paying the price then with cold and stormy weather, but did it ever flip in the month of January? And now we've been in the deep freeze with another really long-lasting cold shot in the Northeast as we drop this podcast on Friday. We're in the midst of it. Had a little bit of a bit of a rain-snow situation along the eastern seaboard on Thursday. We've been watching this coastal storm probability for this weekend up along the eastern seaboard. And we're going to talk about that and everything else under the sun in terms of winter weather with our chief long-range forecaster, Mr. Paul Pasolak, as he joins us here on everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Well, when we got the initial winter forecast from him, he told us that we would have to continue to check back frequently. We did check back back in mid-December, and my goodness, as uh, things have really flipped in the Great Lakes in the Northeast with amazing cold and wintry weather, especially along the eastern seaboard over the last couple of weeks, I figured it was time to get another update from our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Passlock in our first Rays of Focus segment. And Paul, we're only going to talk about the winter forecast where it stands and updated. When are some folks who are in the deep freeze now get an early sign of spring? And uh, we'll just also talk a little bit about this weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. It looks like that coastal storm that we were watching is uh, likely to stay mostly off the shoreline once you get past the southeast, which is... Uh, I don't know, good news or bad news. My friend, how are you, first of all? I know this becomes that busy time when even though we're wrapping up winter meteorologically in some ways, still a lot of updates that need done. And we're already, I'm sure you're busy putting the final touches on the spring forecast for AccuWeather, right? Yeah, well, here's the thing, Dean. This is the busiest month for me, basically. This and September are pretty busy months, but and you get mentally tired. There's a lot of stuff you get you're dealing with the winter. You got the spring people asking about the spring. People are even asking about tropical. You know, it's it's just already in February or one, already in January. Already, oh, yeah, yeah already, funny. yeah. It's one thing after another. But the thing that's been crushing me and in eating at me is our January forecast back in September said that the January would be more widespread in the cold across the nation. And we had a, a really good forecast out when a lot of the modeling just had a lot of red on it saying it's going to be warm. And then we got to December and we saw this huge warm up in the plains and numbers went through the roof higher than most people predicted. 
So we ended up taking temps up just to kind of half step it when we should have just taken our January forecast and taken everything down by a degree or two. And we've been fine. We have been right. Perfect on this whole setup. And it, that stuff, that's the, what hurts me. We had a great forecast in September. I think we kind of messed it up a little bit here in December, but we're back on track. And I think everything is going as plans from October all the way through March. I think things have been working are looking pretty good. Well, I mean, you can beat yourself up more because we all <laughs> tend to do that. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think about my forecast and stuff. I mean, like going into uh, we're recording this on Thursday and I saw on Wednesday that the cold air wasn't rushing into Detroit. And I was a little bit skeptical then maybe about how the New York City situation would play out on Thursday. I wish I would have been a little bit more forceful. And we all wish that at times. But the overall glaring thing in my mind that you talked about was a flip that we would get. And, you know, I've been, you know, if you look at the cities that I deal with on a daily basis, uh, like Chicago and Detroit, they had some strong winter signals as early as November, even before meteorological winter. In fact, uh, I think Detroit had seven inches of snow at that point in the month of November. And then it really went into super warm mode. And you looked at some of those numbers from the beginning of meteorological winter in December 1st till Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of January. And we were talking six, five, six, seven degrees. And then this amazing flip that we've seen now here uh, over this month and the, the veracity of how deep they've gone. And then now this one, especially this one that's coming in as we're speaking here, uh, as this podcast drops on Friday, this one's going to stick around a while. Places like the Great Lakes in the Northeast, I mean, they're going to not see freezing and barely maybe early next week. Uh, it's going to be a while here. Uh, and now the storminess, I mean, it's gotten progressive again with yeah. this. Uh, and, and it looks like that's going to happen here over the next week or so where we're getting these little maxapalooza time where these little maxes are coming fast and furious every day or so that you got to try to catch. And it's going to be a challenging situation, but the cold air just doesn't really want to go away. It, it'll, it'll be fluctuating and undulating in the plains and Eastern parts of the country, but it's still the, the theme for me in the next couple of weeks is cold, cold, cold. You're talking about the warmth in Chicago in December. They were mid-60s for highs in the middle yeah, of December. It's it crazy. crazy. And then and then he got down below zero this month. So it's like uh, a really complete flip. Here's the deal. I mean, the overall upper pattern right now is we had a very, very strong upper high-pressure system off the West Coast. And so a lot of our storms were taking a track coming down through the Plain States, dipping way down. And now, and trying to intensify as they got to the East Coast. And we've seen a couple of those systems so far this month happen. And we've seen also snow and ice get pretty far south, all the way through northern Alabama, northern Georgia, into the Carolinas. That's going to be changing a little bit as we head towards the very end of January. So up until then, we're still in the same pattern, Dean. We stay uh-huh. the cold, okay, stay, stay that way. Um, we've got a lot of snowpack in the upper Midwest right now. Right. That's kind of on the ground, keeping things cold and fresh. So that stays with us, like you said, all the way through the end of the month. And then when that upper high pressure area kind of gets battered apart and knocked around and pushed to the west, then things start coming into the west. Then you start factoring in some more marine air. And so that cold starts to ease back, especially in central and southern areas. But northern areas with the snowpack, it may be a little more difficult to warm up. So I do expect some moderation at the end of the month into into february how extreme is a little tough to tell depending on where you're at 
But then when you start bringing in that more Pacific era times and you still have some, uh, you know, remaining shots of the Arctic era, that's when you can get some really crazy things right along the eastern seaboard where, you know, that that Arctic air and the the northern energy uh, maybe interacts with some Pacific air in a southern branch feature. And then uh, that's, I think, what you were thinking going into that uh, third phase of the winter, that we may start to see some more connections of systems bringing the potential for some coastal systems along the eastern seaboard as we go towards the latter part and the end game of this winter ahead. Right. When you shut down the upper high pressure center, your dominant um, flow is not all, exactly all the time out of the northwest. So where is our storms going to come from? Well, there's going to be more phasing. Uh, you have two jet stream patterns setting up here, and you can see the look already on the modeling. They show these upper lows coming into the southwest and not producing a lot there. But even one system might get a little out of hand in parts of New Mexico and eastern Colorado, an, an area that hasn't seen much. And as these systems come out, it's all a timing thing now. It's a timing thing, which means that our forecast models are going to drive us nuts all the way into February yeah. because – it, we're going to, you know, you, one run's going to time it out where they phase together and the next run comes in and they're not phased together and they just stay separate. Well, and and then the other storm. thing that we see so many times too, Paul, is, you know, the models will pick up on this thing being the big monster thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then we'll see this little itty bitty something in the flow. And then all of a sudden the models flip it around and say, oh, the itty bitty something now is going to be the big thing. And that thing yeah. we were looking at, you know, so meteorologists we knock each other you know we get knocked from the public and then sometimes there's meteorologists within our community that knock each other and say you shouldn't talk about uncertainty and you shouldn't talk you should act like you know what's going to happen all the time i think as a meteorologist came into this later in the life if you're not talking about uncertainty in this pattern over the next couple of weeks in terms of being truly certain what's going to happen more than two or three days max down the pike I think you're doing yourself and your listeners, readers, whatever, a disservice because this does look like an active, changeable pattern where it may be a day or so in the future of only catching on something that can be pretty impactful with these kind of temperatures and the 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 mix of the possibilities of pulling together the right amount of moisture. I agree. And, and you know, I like that topic you just brought up here. You know, I think scenarios, they've been the case ever since I was a little kid watching on TV. I remember weather forecasters breaking things down in scenarios. If it goes this way, this can happen. If it goes this way, that's still the case nowadays today. You Indeed. still have to follow that case. It's not perfection that we're seeing every time a model run comes in. You know, There's some things that can go wrong. The other thing too is snow amounts. We get a lot of grief about putting out snow amounts past 48 hours. I don't see any reason why you can't. I mean, the whole thing is, is we update rain, we update pre uh, temperatures, we update cloud cover, we update those things, you know, three, four, five days out in advance, and we keep, you know, fine-tuning them. Why can't you put out snow amounts that pass that and just fine-tune them as a storm becomes more and more likely in a certain area? You know, it's you're, like... You're, you're meaning like being so early on putting snow amounts in yeah, a situation. Yeah, yeah. I've seen... I, I've heard think, so many people saying that lately. Yeah, I think, like, I think it's a balance. I think if you yeah. can give a general idea... Uh -huh. but also talk about impact, right? Because right. this is the thing where I think everybody's gotten out of kilter. Everybody looks at that number in terms of amount, and they're not necessarily keened in on the impacts. A coating to an inch in temperatures that are 10 to 15 degrees is going to give you as much iciness in a place 
I've seen it all the time in Detroit as uh, and travel problems as three, four, five, six inches of snow along the eastern seaboard in a 32 to 34 degree day where the, the, the city and all that makes it more of a slushy, messy situation. So, you know, right. more snow, but less impact than less snow. And it's really a, a whole picture that most people, well, is that the laziness of our society to only want to judge things on one thing, right? And so yeah. all they want to judge the storm on is a number, which... Uh -huh. <laughs> You know, if they held us to rainfall amount forecasting, I mean, they, they'd really give us grief about I our know. success, right? You know, so. and, and here's the other thing, too. Remember what's going on at this time of the year. We had a long holiday, extended holiday weekend. So we had a storm approaching and we knew a storm was approaching from earlier mm -hmm. last week uh, for the weekend, a busy holiday weekend. And also kids still coming back from school, going back to school from, you know, being off for the break. And so you have to consider all those factors that it's important to get that information out early enough. And sometimes it takes numbers to be thrown out to get people's attentions, like you just said. So once you get their attention, then you start explaining with context you know, what's going to happen. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. I just, I just think having nothing out on a Thursday or Friday is very dangerous because of the fact that a storm was coming. People want to know if their kids are going to get back, you know, you know, easily or going to well, have this trouble. Is, this, this also yeah. speaks to the way different people in different areas and different lifestyles. I think right. that's, that's a very big cogent point in the I-95 corridor from DC up to Boston Mm -hmm. And the West Coast, where you know there's a lot of okay, da, da 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 Monday through Thursday, there's no Friday work anymore. Thursday's the new Friday, right? So Monday through Thursday, but then the weekend, okay, we all go to back to our houses. Where in the middle of America, sometimes it's more we live and we do and we keep going through the weekend, and we're more concerned about the weather over the weekend. So I understand that. And that's been a key hallmark from talking to people at 1010 wins in New York and WABC mm -hmm. is that we really want to hit hard on Friday. What it may be like on Monday, because a lot of people in our area just tune out and just kind of hunker down and do their own thing. Don't really care about the weather, especially city folks. I mean, they have a, a care, but does that make sense to you? What I just said? Yeah, it does. It does. And I just think that it's, it's our responsibility to at least let them know, you know, there's a, there's a chance of a significant system. You may want to go early, you might want to wait a couple days after. But I mean, keep watching who, it. I, Just keep watching it, right? I mean, I, like, I, yeah, you got the exactly. tools now to make you be able to watch and watch our forecast evolve minute by minute, right, on our AccuWeather app. You know, I was never, when I went back and forth to college, I was never worried about the actual snow and all that kind of stuff. I was worried there was going to be an accident. I was going to sit on the highway for six right. hours and not get home. You know what I mean? So well, Paul that's the drove kind of between stuff. Penn State and <laughs> Connecticut. So that would be a lot of places where in the, you know, you could get stuck. We're talking to our chief long range lead forecaster, Paul Pasolak. Um, let's transition somewhat from the winter stuff to kind of just a look at this upcoming weekend and the week beyond. There were a lot of talk about oh, potential storm over the uh along the eastern seaboard here this weekend and it looks like the models have pretty much settled now here as this drops on a friday that you know yes the southeast uh, it looks like mm -hmm. it's going to get another brush but it looks like the cold dry air keeps us just offshore you know uh from the the northeast <laughs> i'll tell you a place like uh 
the Cape and the islands actually get, may get more snow than the rest of New England, just from backlash uh, ocean effect situation with the northeast wind coming over the Cape mm-hmm. there uh, on the province down all the way down to my friends there at the at the base of the Cape. But uh, interesting yeah. situation. Do you agree with that summation there? Yeah, and keep in mind too. Again, it goes back to some of our other talks here on, on this podcast on this cast today. Is that we have people that are doing a lot more driving than flying now um, mm-hmm. as COVID continues to come back up again on us here. And so Regional they're looking driving, at the Carolinas right? yep. and, you know, even a brush, like you put it could cause tremendous amount of accidents uh, coming up by uh, the start of this weekend. So be alert that, you know, driving down there, like from, uh, you know, tomorrow through Saturday morning is going to be very iffy all the way down to Southeast Georgia. So Again, that would be uh, during the day, Friday into Friday night and then into Saturday. Paul, there does look like there's that one impulse you talked about that's coming mm-hmm. through the the uh, northern Rockies there and 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 coming through some energy as we go uh, Friday and into the weekend. And then um, the the West seems quiet again. Right. Yeah. Uh, as this uh, nothing really going on for the next week or so. Yeah, it gets pretty quiet again going into next week. It's the following week. I think things start picking up a little bit, but uh, you know, it, it it just looks like you're in you're missing out. Everything is to your east. The, the the main energy source is coming down out of west central Canada, diving south through the plains, then picking up some Gulf moisture and then getting it all together. And again, the defining thing here is do we have weak systems or do we phase these systems? I mean, it looks good today or it looks good tomorrow. And then it doesn't look good the next day. And that's a concern around the 25th, 26th, that we may have another system trying to come together to produce snow and some mixed precipitation for the northern mid-Atlantic and northeast. Or if you look at another one, it might be a couple of days after that, that it's oof. Uh, Exactly. There there are. Yeah. yeah, So, right. Towards the end of the month and the switch over to February. And and I I remember Paul talking about this just uh, when we talked back at the beginning that we could get into this scenario where we could get something along the eastern seaboard. Interesting stuff. Dean, that late January one looks very interesting because it's kind of the transition out of the pattern that we're in. Right. And that's those times that that period sometimes can be really nasty. So I don't yeah, think because you're, you're be, mixing uh, huge <laughs> differences in air masses, right? You're oh, still yeah. bringing the Arctic air and Hey, don't look now, but we're almost to the uh, middle of uh, well, almost to the end of solar winter, right? We're coming to right. the beginning of February here. So we're going to get the start of solar spring. So we're starting to bring some more sunlight to parts of the areas to the south of us and starting to get that atmosphere heated up a little bit. Things are certainly looking volatile. Paul, I know uh, you guys in uh, in your long range team uh, work very hard as we talk about every time you visit. Uh, why don't you give some of those folks a shout out? Who uh, Who's on that team that works so hard here at AccuWeather.com? Oh, our team has changed a little bit over the past year, but uh, we, you know what's great about our team is we have some young guys like uh, Brandon Buckingham mm-hmm. and Alex uh, DeSilvia and Joe Bauer, young, fresh minds coming in with their ideas. And then we have some senior guys that have been there for a while, like Dale Moeller and, and Brett Anderson. And um, I'm leaving out stuff, Bob Smurbeck. Yeah, Joe Lumberg. These guys, they, they know the past. They know how systems from 10, 15 years, 20 years ago uh, reacted and did when these certain things happened. You have that mix on the team, and it is much, much easier for my job when having those guys in meetings and, and coming up with these forecasts. And so – we continue to communicate every day 
Uh, and it's, it's great with Slack and all these different ways of, of communicating. We can do it, you know, even at night when uh, we're off shift, yeah, and which is it, good. So. It was funny because when it was mostly that you were just coming in and out, you know, like it almost right. felt like you were cheating if you kind of checked in on something outside your shift. Now, I think it's more encouraged because we may see something off shift that uh, hits our fancy and uh, maybe a, a great forecast point. So, yeah, there's there's. But we also need time to shut down and not think about the weather either, right? Um, as meteorologists, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Pastelock, our chief long-range forecaster, thanks for being with us on Everything Under the Sun. Thanks a lot. You can go to Paul's Twitter feed at Paul Pastelock, P-A-U-L-P-A-S-T-E-L-O-K. And from there, you can get a link to a great podcast that Paul does with our good friend, Joe Lundberg. It's called Going Along with Joe and Paul. They talk about long-range trends, and those two are on it for sure. So you can get to his Twitter account, Paul Pastelock, and find the link on SoundCloud for Going Long with Paul and Joe. We're going to switch gears, and when we come back, a subject near and dear to my heart's pet care and safety, although Luna and Ren are safely ensconced indoors at all times. We're going to talk about general pet care and cold weather safety tips coming up next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we resume Episode 7 here of our winter series for 21-22. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host, and for those who follow me on my social media, which is easy to find no matter what platform, Dean, P-S-U-P-A, uh, you'll certainly note on my social media that uh, my partner Joelle and my, uh, our cats... Luna and Ren are featured prominently there, and while they are indoor cats for sure, they do venture out on the deck every once in a while, but they haven't been of late. It's been awfully cold to do that. You know, as this cold winter blast goes into the Northeast, this next one that's going to last several days, thought it would be a good chance to uh, catch up on pet safety this time of year. Let's welcome into Everything Under the Sun, Senior Medical Director of the Community Medicine Department of the ASPCA, Dr. Lori Beerbrier. We welcome her to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Well, Dr. Beerbrier, it is, is really good to have you with us. Uh, may I call you Lori? Is that okay? Yes. Yes, please. Absolutely. Thank All you. All right. So, Lori, um, look, pet owners this time of year, we're busy. We're having trouble dealing with the cold. And obviously, you know, our pets are in our minds, but there are sometimes I think, you know, we just do things that kind of may not make sense when it comes to a pet in the cold weather and that we should think a little bit more about that to prevent problems in the long run. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about that. So uh, uh, let's talk about some of those issues. One thing that I know helps me get through the winter is making sure that I'm controlling the humidity in my house. And I think that is really something that's even more important maybe for pets than it even is for humans. And I think it's important for us, right, Lori? Absolutely. Uh, you bring up a really good point, uh, especially when the animals are going from the cold outside, coming in, we have the heat on, 
uh, air can get really dry and it can cause their skin to get quite dry and cracked. And one thing we do recommend is that people don't bathe their pets as often in the wintertime because that can also remove a lot of moisture from their skin and can lead to getting sort of itchy, dry skin. You know, when you're talking about skin situations, we just have to be careful of what we do to our pets, right? The the pets that we really groom we want to be careful not to shave down too far, right? In this time of year, because of that dryness, that's another thing we need to keep an eye on. That's yeah, definitely for dryness and also for warmth. I mean, the animals that have really long fur coats, that was meant for to keep them warm outside. So if they are going to need a little bit of grooming, we recommend that the grooming be somewhat limited, maybe trimming some of the fur from between their pads on their feet so that doesn't get too many like icicles or snowballs stuck in there and just some other just general grooming, but not doing any shaving down. I know in the winter, I try not to actually bathe as much. I kind of control how many showers I take because it's just can dry your skin out. So that's another thing, right? To not bathe your, your pet as much this time of year. Yes, definitely. Um, we don't recommend not as frequent baths and there's even, um, you know, special shampoos that you can use that are to reduce drying and also conditioners that can be used on the skin to give them a little bit of extra moisture back to the skin. So if we've got animals that do go outside, as I said uh, in our setup, I have Luna and Wren, and they, they they stay firmly ensconced here by the fireplace. Once in a while, they'll try to step out on the deck. They take one paw out, and they get in the snow, and then they freak out, and they come back yeah. in. Uh, but speaking of that, for the dogs, I know a lot of my friends have dogs, and they love going out. But between the ice and the snow – and then all the additives and things that we put down to treat the the ground and treat the the pavement and stuff, that can be really hard and really bad, especially for dogs on their paws and their pads and stuff. So uh, talk to me a little bit about things that we should be mindful of in that regard. You bring up some really great points. And certainly if we're going to be putting like outside of our home, anything down on the ground to prevent ice, uh, there are pet safe products to use. And that is what's you know, recommended. Uh, but I know when we go out with our pets, there are going to be times where we're walking around and we're not sure quite what they're stepping in. So when they come back into the house, it's recommended to wash off their feet to get any sort of irritants off of their feet and also you know, to dry them well as well um, is, is really helpful. Um, and then in general, also keeping them on a leash as much as possible. Um, there are other products that you know, are from cars, antifreezes, that sort of thing that we don't want them to get into. And if that sort of thing were to leak onto the ground, they tend to be very sweet and very attracting to animals and uh, can be quite harmful. So keeping them on leash or at least maybe in a uh, you know a dog run area where you can keep a really close eye on what they're what they're sniffing, what they're licking, um, and what you know where they're having fun. And I also think this time of year, I mean now, there are obviously some people that are extremely diligent about whether or not their cat or dog or other animals getting inside and out, right? They're, whether, you know, if it's an indoor, they, but, but there are some owners that have pets that are transient. They go back and forth. And, you know, this time of year, especially as we go into this weekend, this is going to be some of the longest term cold that areas like in the Great Lakes and where you are based in New York City going to see. I mean... We're going to go below freezing on a Thursday afternoon, and we may not get but a freezing again until sometime early middle of next week. So you have to be extra vigilant right now to make sure that if you have one of those animals that is going in and out, that you're making sure before you leave, they are inside and protected in this kind of cold weather. 
Yes. Uh, it, I mean, when it is really cold, honestly, we, we I would recommend just trying to keep them indoors. I know it's not the ideal situation, but taking, you know, look at the forecast ahead of time, checking in with the weather report. And if you do see that there's going to be a real cold snap or a big storm, just adjusting their schedule a little bit, having them come indoors and maybe just go outside just to go do their bathroom business and then come back in and know that when the weather gets nicer, then they can go back out to their normal routine. And if they are going to be spending more time indoors in doing some enrichment indoors to keep them interested and excited, maybe some new toys or some puzzle treats or something like that to keep them engaged in that, you know, that snow day activity. Do I have to feed my pet a little bit more in the winter to make up for the extra energy they may be burning to try to stay warm? If they are an animal that is spending a dog or cat that's spending a lot of time outdoors, um, you know, there are some dogs that you know, are more athletic dogs that are out running around, having a ball, uh, you know, having a ton of fun. They may need a little bit more food. But in general, um, many of our animals actually are, are already meeting their calorie needs with the foods that we're giving them. Mm, so it right. would really just be for those real super athletes that are going out there and having that full snow day, um, not for sort of that regular day to day. So I'm sorry, your little kitties don't get to, you know, pull the more food card, um, you know, looking out the window. Is that your hardest job now as a veterinarian um, helping uh, us control how much we're feeding our pets because it seems like especially with automatic feeders and things like that now it's 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 it seems like it's easier than ever to overfeed your pets it is and you know i think for many of us food is love and uh, giving treats and having that interaction with our animals related to food is really important. So I, I actually just suggest to people just find things that are lower calories so you can still have that experience and giving treats. You know, maybe the treat is a carrot instead of a high calorie um, treat that they might be getting otherwise. But yes, I, I have to say, um, certainly animals that are overweight is much more common in the uh, veterinary community that we see um, than in the past. So I, I do, I wouldn't want too many animals getting, you know, more calories during the winter months than, than usual. All right, Lori, uh, interesting stuff. I'd definitely like to visit with you again. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about being, uh, Lori's based in New York City and being a veterinarian in the, the heart of the city versus, you know, me living out more in the country and, and the differences there. That would be some interesting stuff. But I think some really good points. Anything else I missed that you'd want to add about uh, pet care and making sure here in the heart of this deep freeze of winter that we're taking care of our furry friends? Well, my one last point that I'll make is in general, if it's too cold for you outside, it's too cold for your pets. So do think about just bringing them indoors uh, and having, like I said, that snow day indoors, getting cozy on the couch, and then know that once the weather gets warmer, they can go spend more time outside again. Dr. Lori Beerbrier, thank you so much for spending time with us on Everything Under the Sun. My pleasure. I hope to speak with you again soon. Friends, if you'd like more information about uh, this amazing organization that Dr. Beerbrier is part of, the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, you can get it on their website, ASPCA.org. That's ASPCA.org. Thanks again to Dr. Beerbrier and the folks at ASPCA for helping us out. We're going to talk about another set of animals 
not necessarily pets. No, these are wild birds. And oh, so many of my colleagues at AccuWeather.com here in the central Pennsylvania area, we feed birds and we uh, love to watch them and we talk about it. And one thing we've been noticing amongst ourselves is we have not seen the numbers in the wild bird and songbird population that we're normally expecting over the winter. And we're going to talk with friends of ours from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They have so many great programs, including one that I've been a part of over the years at times, the Feeder Watch program and so much more. Again, members of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology join us to talk about songbirds this winter, and we'll talk more about where the weather meets your life. For our hundreds of team members all across the globe who work so hard every day, weatherproofing your life on our AccuWeather app, on our website, AccuWeather.com, on our network, on AccuWeather Now, and on our media partners across the nation and world. And for my two amazing executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, who work so hard behind the scenes to put this all together. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com. 